Oh, so beautiful to be um, back amongst you again. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko te mahitua tai maku ki te kaharawa. Tēnā koe e pā, e huri noe ko te hunga tangata, e hui hui mai nei. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, <coughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it was so beautiful and... Um, be grateful for what God is doing here. Don't take it for granted. Um, cherish it. Pray that this uh, presence continues to increase because it um, breaks down every wall, every wall of um, pain, of confusion, of uncertainty. Um, everything that the world throws at you, this is the answer. His presence, his presence, his presence. This is presence. I, I want to talk to you today. Um, this will be, uh, again, along the lines of my own journey because I only, um, I've found that um, the word of God becomes alive to me when it is lived inside of me, when it's worked out of me and uh, often through these experiences and um don't run away from any experience that the God that God allows you to walk through, because it's um, it's to strengthen you, it's to build you, it's to make you like a son. That's the whole purpose of it. Um, some of you be familiar with with Rick Warren and um, his son committed suicide um, not so long ago, and um, it was heartbreaking for him. So you know who Rick Warren is, yeah. Um, and um, he talked a little bit about it. He said he got they got over five thousand letters of condolences, but the you know from because he's very well known from celebrities and stars. And he said the the letters that meant the most to him were the letters um, from people who his son Matt had led to the Lord. And and um, he said that even in his state of brokenness, that um, God was still very much alive in him. And and he, then he said this, is that um, in God's garden, even broken trees produce fruit. So have hope in that, you know, as we go, you know, from this glory to glory, to glory, to glory, as we um, um, outworking what it means to be in Christ on this earth, no matter where you are today, no matter what state you're in, it's like in God's garden of grace, you produce fruit no matter what's going on in your life. If you come to the, this place like now, this presence that's so real in this garden of grace, you're producing fruit that you can take out into a broken world that's desperate for it. <laughs> um, and, and he said this, that um, there is no growth without change and there is no change without loss. So he said this, he knew this intimately, because he'd just come through such deep um, personal tragedy and pain. So you know that, that what he's saying has come out of a deep, deep place, like what we were singing about this morning, out of a deep, deep place he could say with accuracy, there is no growth without change and there is no change without loss. And this is what's happening to the church, this is what's happening to you, this is what's happening to the church as a whole around the world at the moment. We are in a state of flux. We are in change, whether we like it or not. The only one that doesn't change is God. Everything around us is changing. 
And um, I, I believe that we are in an epoch, a time of history, where the church is becoming, is going from glory to glory. But we sometimes I think we misconstrue what that looks like. What does that mean to go from glory to glory? A friend of mine who would be one of the most prophetic people that I know uh, living in our land today, and we were just having a conversation, and she just sort of said it in passing. She just said that we are, in, we are between times. And I took that, and I've been meditating on that for the last few weeks, because I believe that is a word of the Lord for us as a church. We are between times. We are coming from something and moving into something. But we are leaving behind the old. Like I mean, we know that even as a what it means to be the church in today's society, postmodern, post-Christian, we're no longer the centre of society. We are back where we belong. We're back on the fringes. That's where we function the best. We don't function at the centre of society. We never we never have. Our function, our place, our our, our place of strength has always been at the, on the fringe. That's where we make the most difference. We are fools. We are, we, we are peculiar people. We are the ridiculous ones. Well, you can't be that when you're at the center. You can only be that when you're on the fringe. We, that's, we are fringe dwellers, but we've forgotten. We got proud, and we thought that, that we could lead the world by being at the center of the world, and it doesn't work like that. Never did. Didn't do it for the early church. Ask those lions. <laughs> Certainly wasn't working. That it worked on the the way that 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 um, that that the church changed society was being on the edge. We've lost our edge, and I feel like God is giving us a chance to be back on the edge again. But it's not going to be the way it's looked before. So you know, it's like we have to come to terms with that, and I think we have to come to terms with with um, letting go of the old, but we, 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 as we are, are pressing towards the mark of the, the high call of God in Christ Jesus, we're letting go of the old, but we haven't got a hold of the new yet. We're, we're straddling. We're in that middle place. And it's very, very unpleasant and scary and uncertain and confusing. And that's why my main message to you today, I want to talk about abiding, because the only way that we can navigate through this season that's upon us is we have to abide in Christ. And he gave us a very, very easy, simple way to do it. It's not complicated. So I'm so grateful because I'm a very simple person. I have very simple faith. It's very uncomplicated. He just said, abide in me by having Holy Spirit inside of you. He didn't say that, you know, I'm leaving and I'm going to leave you, you know, these volumes and tombs and I'm going to leave you this whole big understanding and teach you. He said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he will guide you into all truth. That's what we need to know. That's the promise. That's, that's it. Don't be afraid about the state and the, and, and the season that we are in and this, this between times that is upon us. Don't be afraid of it because he promised us Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Because there's a lot of um, purported truth that's going out at the moment. You know, the, the, the church in some ways is, is it's divided and it continues to divide because there, there are a whole lot of opinions that are coming out um, uh, about, uh, you know, homosexuality is a huge deal at the moment all around the world. And all I can say to you is abide. 
abide and uh, because the promise is that Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth of what you need to know. So don't be afraid and try and work it out and, and try and figure it out. What you need to do is go to Holy Spirit and he will show you because that's what Jesus promised us. And he's, a not, he's not a man that he would lie. He promised us the Holy Spirit will come in. And I feel like now more than ever, we need to have uh, the, the, the abiding presence of Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. That is how that we are going to navigate this and come out fully alive and blooming and displaying the glory and the presence of the Lord as the church has always been created to be. You know, we, we lost our way when Christianity was forced upon the people. Constantine, when he, he made it a law that you had to be a Christian, that's when we lost it. That's when we went from being the fringe to being the center and, and people became religious because it became a matter of outward behavior, not inward action and inward change. And we're coming back to that. So we're not, don't be afraid. Be excited. You know, that um, people are, you know, are, are terrified that, that, you know, laws are being changed and all these things are being thrust upon us. Rejoice! Because we are getting to be at that point where we truly will be the light. Because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not so much at the moment. But we will be because, you know, the, the more that society gets darker, the lighter, our, the brighter our light becomes, no matter how, how big or small it is. So, you know, rejoice in this season. And, and so the, the promise of, of what he gave to us was, um, was simple. Just abide, abide in me. So, um, so that's John 16, verse 13. He said, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. It's so comforting. John 15, verse 14. Sorry, I'm going backwards. He says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus was talking about the very thing that was functioning between him and the Father. The Father was abiding in Jesus. So Jesus was saying, now, now I'm going to abide in you. And that's essential to our faith, as we know, that, um, that Christ abiding or dwelling inside of us is what makes us alive, is what makes us Christians, which is what makes us followers of Jesus. As the Father abides in Jesus, the Spirit abides in us. Aren't you grateful? <laughs> So the thing is about this indwelling with this abiding that comes, you know, and we made so many, again, we made so many laws around it, you know, even, even around um, salvation. Um, I, I, for some of you that don't know, I, um, so I've, I've worked for the church for 25 years and, and for 16 of those, those years I traveled full time um, up and down the country uh, many, many times um, overseas. I traveled overseas a lot. And um, and how long ago was it? Um, two, three years ago. No, two years ago. Um, I got sick. I got cancer. And um, that was, as you can imagine, was a defining time in my life. And um, 
But I knew that change was coming. I wasn't expecting that, though. Um, but I could feel it sort of coming as far as what I was going to be doing in, in, um, in regards to ministry. And um, then I got diagnosed with cancer. And, and um, so 2000 and... Um, oh, it just gets so confusing now. Hi. Um, so it was 2012. And so it was a year where I had to have... Um, um, several surgeries and, and it was um, it was a hard time to, to navigate. It was, it was a disconcerting time. But I had, but again, you know, like I was so grateful that the, the rock of who Jesus was never moved. It never changed inside of me. And I can say that before the Lord and before you because it's the truth. That um, I was facing a lot of uncertainty because they, they kept um, finding um, more, having more issues. I kept having, have, having to have more surgery. They kept finding more um, uh, cancerous cells, precancerous cells. And um, so that year was really when um, I found that the, the depth of who Jesus was was true. Because you don't know really until, you know, we can talk about it and preach about it and sing about it. But it's when the rubber hits the road, you know it's true or not. And, um, and I was so grateful because it was real. And um, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And um, my pastor is a good friend of mine. Um, I'm now down in Christchurch. And he said to me one day, um, he was actually taking me to the airport. I was hopping on a plane to go and minister somewhere. And he, and he said, um, I really felt the Lord um, say that I had to ask you, are you afraid to die? And we were just sitting at the airport having a cup of coffee. And, um, and you know, I sat there and I, I thought about it and I said to him, no, I'm not. And it was liberating mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we can say that when we're on the side of health, but when I was actually facing an uncertainty that I could possibly die, um, it was liberating for me to know that it was the truth, mm-hmm. that I could take this truth um, and boldly go out, you know. Um, so it was, and through this time, um, and I knew that change was coming, and I, I had, had found that um, in doing research that, particularly for my own people for Māori, that a lot of them were dying from um, this particular form of cancer. And, and so I started writing a proposal to, um, to present. And then I got offered this job of, um, of working in health. So I took it. I really felt it was the Lord. So, um, so I just, I feel like he's, you know, out of this, this uncertain time and, and, um, through a time of, of pain and suffering that, that like what Warren says, that there's no growth without change and there's no change without loss. That is for us to learn that as we abide in Him, that we, we grasp these things and we move with them. Um, this is Rick Warren again. He says, We can't handle pain unless we understand there is a purpose. The gospel doesn't offer painless life on this earth, but it does offer us meaning, which makes pain bearable. Do you, do you get that? I want to say that again. Because we run away from pain, especially, you know, some of the, the theology that come out, especially when I first come to faith in the 80s, it was all about happiness. It was about God has a, a great you know, plan for your life. It's all about prosperity, and it's like, you know, got, got one point, but missed the, the, the whole point, really, <laughs> in a way. Um, and, and, and again, I want to say this. We can't handle pain unless we understand there's a purpose. 
The gospel doesn't offer painless life on this earth, but it does offer us meaning, which makes pain bearable. Because we will go through pain. I mean, I was talking about this last night with Greg, and, you know, like, well, you know, look look at the one we follow. What did he have to go through, you know? Um, there's a, a, a man, an author, some of you might have heard of him. His name was Viktor Frankl. He was a neurologist and a psychiatrist, and he wrote a book. Um, the book was called Man's Search for Meaning. Has anyone heard of it? It was written in 1946. And, um, and so he wrote this book. Um, he, um, I'm, I haven't read it yet, and I'm going to read it, but the thing is that he ended up in the, the, um, the concentration, concentration camps, first in Auschwitz, and, and then in, in, he went to other camps. And um, he continued doing therapy with the prisoners in these camps. Um, and he, um, what he'd been studying previously in Vienna was um, in helping people to, to overcome life's problems. And he worked with medical students in Vienna, and it was the, uh, these students, when they graduated, they were the first time that, um, that uh, nobody uh, doing those studies had committed suicide because somehow he'd come up with a way to help people to navigate through life. And one of the things he, he came out with, the conclusion that after working in, in, and being and having to survive in those concentration camps, the, the conclusion he came to was that life is not about happiness, life is about meaningfulness. That's what he found out. And that's the word that, that we have to have as a church, because a lot of us don't have that. It's, it's not about your happiness. That's a byproduct. The purpose for your life is meaningfulness and it's finding out what it is. You know, even Greg said, you know, alluded to that today. And even like the songs that we sing, it's about the, the, what is the meaning of life? It's Jesus and Him glorified. That's our meaning. And how do we outwork that into society? How do we do that? And, and I think that that's our. Um, this, is the, this has got to be our life message. Because too many people are looking for happiness. It does come, but it comes in a different form. It comes in the form of joy. Because um, joy isn't, isn't um, conditioned on what's going on in your life or how you're feeling or how you're not feeling. You know, I tell you, there are times that I'm, I live by the beach and I get out there and I walk just about every day. And there's times I ha- I'm, I'm marching up that beach telling joy to come out of me because it doesn't feel like it that day, especially when it's 6 o'clock in the morning, it's still dark and it's like, you know, minus 4 degrees. And, you know, situations are going on in in my life, as in all of our lives. Joy trumps happiness, but joy only comes from deep inside of us and joy comes from abiding in Christ. That's where true joy comes. And you're supposed to gather this joy, take this joy inside so that you can give it away to others because... You are supposed to be a peculiar person. Because peculiar is when you can still have joy when they know that you're going through circumstances and situations. It was, it, honestly, it was just, it was such a, um, um, what do you call it, like a, um, a study on humanity or human studies or whatever, just seeing how people would behave around me as I was going through my own um, health situation. Christians and people who weren't Christians. You know, I, I had one person contact me one day, and um, I'd only just come out of major surgery, and I was lying in bed, 
and um, this, this person around, who I love, and they said to me, did I feel ripped off by God? <laughs> because the way that he saw it was that I had served Lord, the Lord faithfully for all these years, and you know, I'd been a minister and a servant, and that this had happened to me. Did I feel ripped off? And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't offended, I wasn't mad, I just, I just said to him, no, I'm not. And then I went on to explain to him, because it was confounding. Your life is supposed to be confounding to the world. They're supposed to look at you in, in the way that you behave, you know, but, but, but what they're searching for is authenticity. You know, you can't put it on. That, and, that, and I think so often as a church, that's what we've done. We've tried to put on joy. But, you know, particularly those out there, they see very quickly and they're trying to see the false because they hear about it all the time. <laughs> you know, I, you would read in the news, you know, that Ashley, whatever it's called, Madison, whatever, you know, life is short, have an affair, right? Well, um, that's a website for people to, have, to commit adultery. And um, it's just come out that, you know, there's some well-known Christians that are, are on that site because the hackers have released all the information of the people who, have, um, who are on that website, all their emails, all their names. And I think it was something like, is it 10,000 that are in New Zealand? These guys have done it because they said that they're, they're almost like um, activists saying that, um, that this site is like feeding an addict drugs. So, you know, there's something almost like righteous about what they feel that they're doing, not um, you know, saying that it's right because it's, it's not that, you know, broken the law. But, you know, there's several Christian um, um, ministers or, you know, um, Christians who are, you know, out, particularly um, over in America, who it's been released and their names are on it. And then, you know, so the world just goes, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's who you are. You say one thing, but you do another. What makes us different is by through abiding in Christ gives us a true sense of authenticity. So we are what we say. We do what we believe. And, and not in perfection. You know, I just... I stumble all the time. I get it wrong all the time. But there's something that I know that they see that I'm, I am endeavoring to continue to pursue. And I do it, I, and I seek to do it with integrity. And, and you know, with, with truth in my own heart. Again, I say to you, I get it wrong all the time. But they see it, and they recognize it, and they know it, and they're attracted to it. And that's the exciting thing, and that's by abiding. You know, so, so some of the things that, that he gives to us, um, that, that this, this reciprocal abiding, us and him and, and, him and us, there, there, are, there are several things that, that come to us that he gives to us through it. And this is found in John 15. So the first one is, John 15 verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. One of the first things is you, you, you pray with confidence. It's one of the first things that you get from abiding in him is that you can pray knowing that he actually hears you. You know, sometimes that um, there are seasons that you go through and it's like, um, you know, Jeremiah, he talked about the heavens being like brass and it is like that. It's like, excuse me, are you home? 
that's what it feels like sometimes. Like, hello. Well, the, one of the, the, the promises about abiding is that, um, that you can pray with confidence knowing that he actually does hear you. Even if it might not feel like it, he hears you. That's one of the promises. Pray with confidence. The second one is, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Assurance is the second thing. We know that Jesus loves us. That's what comes through that deep, deep sense of abiding, is assurance, blessed assurance. He loves you. Because one of the things that the enemy tries very hard to do is to, to take that away from you. And I know I've had to battle with that myself. You know, so because of the, the uncertainty, and when you're going through things, and, and, and it's like, you know, what's going on here? The blessed assurance. He loves me. 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 You hold on to that. That deep sense of abiding stays inside of you, that he loves you. Whatever trial you're going through right now, don't allow the enemy or the world to, to, um, to, to cause that to, to dissipate. It's the truth. When he hung upon the cross, it was for you. Blessed assurance. The third thing is joy. What we're talking about. I have, and this is verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is different to happiness. Joy comes, you can laugh at the most awful situation. You can still find joy. I remember um, many years ago, and I was going through a really hard time, and I just said to the Lord, God, you can do whatever you want, but can I please just at least have one laugh a day? <laughs> and I did because I realized that there's something, there's, there's an impartation that comes, you know, when you, because so often, you know, that in those movies and, and TV series, you know, Jesus is portrayed as like the sad sack. It's like, he's, he's just not like that at all. And um, I don't know if any of you ever saw the, um, the, the Bible series. It was on um, History Channel. He's, he's the, the Jesus in that, in that um, TV series, he laughed all the time, didn't he? And I just thought, man, that's, he's one of, the, that, that's the, one of the closest portrayals that I could imagine what Jesus was like. You know, and he wasn't you know, this you know, hugely handsome American with blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> you know, they, they tried to be, I think, I think he was like Spanish or something, you know, the actor. The actor. But but the thing is that I it just that's the thing that that struck me and stayed with me. This Jesus laughed all the time, and I think that you know. I, do you remember that um, that book, The Happiest People on Earth? That was a, a book about the Armenian revival. And I thought that has to be one of our marks: is that we are happy people. We are jo- because because of joy, because joy is on the inside of us. So, um, <clears throat> oops, lost it there. And, um, and the fourth thing is a new community. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So those are four things that, that come from this reciprocal um, abiding. The, the ability to truly love because he loves. So um, I, I learned through my, um, through my journey to, to abide. I learned how to dwell. I, I learned how to be in him. I learned how to pray in a whole new way. You know, um, there were times that, that um, when I was going through it and I, I lost my ability to sleep. So I, but I wouldn't get upset about it. I would wake up at maybe three o'clock in the morning and that would be it. So I'd, I'd, I wouldn't get up, I'd lie in bed and I would pray. But I learned how to pray in a new way. 
because my way of learning, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and it was like, boom, you know, boom, walking up and down. And, and I, I, I still do do that. I just need to get it in. But, um, but, you know, during this time, I, I just, I learned to pray by listening. And he would speak to me the most beautiful, precious, intimate things. It's like he was almost saying like, oh. <laughs> but, he, but he would speak to me the most beautiful things. And, and um, I was in awe. I learned to um, be at peace. I learned to um, trust the process. That's a beautiful term, you know, and that's a that's a term that the world gets. They understand that. Trusting the process. We you know, we can say it's the Lord or the Holy Spirit, but it's trusting the outcome. Because we know the one who fashions our future, our present, our past. He numbers our days. Um so I had to learn how to abide. I, you know, the, the reason that this message is real to me because I had to learn how to do it. And um, you know, like I said, this, this new life, new job, um, it's been fascinating. I, I, I feel like um, I, I, was, I, was, um, I was saying to these guys that, that the, the word that I got um, a couple of years ago, so this is before this even happened, so, you know, it's over three years ago. The word I got was that the walls of the church were collapsing out. And I didn't really understand what that meant. It's like, well, you know what, you know, I thought I knew what understood. But I realized that, that for me, the walls of this church were collapsing out. And, um, that, that God was going to head me out of the church. And, you know, I've nearly half my life I've worked in the walls of the church. And, um, so this was this was quite a big thing, you know, quite a big change to take place. But I didn't even really like, th- you know, like mull it over. It's like because I knew it was the Lord. After all these years, I, I, you know, I've, I've learned how to walk in faith and to trust Him and to believe that what He says is the truth and step out and do it. And you know, there's been some hair raising um, times as I've done that, particularly overseas and, you know, being stranded in certain places. And, and But he's always come through because I'm here. <laughs> but, but, the, but the thing is, that like, that, it, was a, it was another one of those leaps of faith. But I knew that it was God, so it wasn't so much a leap. It's just I knew it was God. So I did it, and I stepped into this whole new arena. I, I work for this Māori Health organization. And just I'm in awe. That it's almost like I've got up this church now. I'm like the the chaplain of this 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 group of people that I work for. I talk. I, I said to Greg, I almost talk about the Lord more there than I did in church. It's just it's crazy, and you know, like so he stepped he stepped me into this whole new thing, and and um I'm I'm doing study at the moment. I'm studying public health and um at Massey, and so it's just this huge change, and it's been. Huge pressure on me, that, you know, to do this, you know, eight thirty to five job, and and also do study. And it's like, when I first started, it was like, what am I done? <laughs> it was so, quite overwhelming. Like when I first started, I was in bed by seven thirty at night. I was like, yeah, my. <laughs> I just, it was, yeah, because it was a whole new way of doing life for me. Um, but I knew that it was the Lord because I knew that He's 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 pointing me in another direction, but it's the same direction. 
because it's still about the church. <laughs> That's always been my passion. But what does church look like? That's, I think, that is our interpretation of what church really means. The church, outside of the church, outside of the church. That's how I feel the Lord has taken me. I have really, like, interesting conversations with, with some of my colleagues. And I was saying to these guys, like, um, because it's a Māori organisation, so we, we get to have waiata every Thursday from 9 till 10. So I get paid to sing. Um, and so, so we're in there, 70%, if not more, of the songs are about the Lord. And I remember the, the, like the, one of the first times that we were in there and, and we sung, um, you know, that in moments like these I lift up my voice. Anyone? That's a real old, old one. But it's in Māori. Ko tēnei te wā. And um, so we were singing the song. I could feel like my hands just started to rise up on themselves. It was like, I was going, oh. <laughs> Because of just the presence of the Lord came, I just and they recognised it as well. And and I had one of my colleagues turn around and see tears in her eyes. She goes, "Oh, I love it when you sing that song." You know, it's just like the church outside of the church outside of the church. It's almost like this is this is the motor. This is the, this is where the church, you know, the the heart of the church is alive. But then the church goes outside of the church to be the church, then to go outside of the church again. You know, somehow, and I've, I've realized that is part of the word of the, of the, the, the walls of the church collapsing out. So that the church becomes the church, which becomes the church, which fills the whole earth. Oh, I love it. So, but, you know, it's, it's not without its, um, its battles. And, you know, again, coming back to what it means to abide. Because he keeps teaching us and, and, and showing us how to do it and to, because it's very easy for um, for that, that faith to dissipate. You've got to keep it alive. You've got to keep you know building it up. And um, earlier this year, I just um, went through a little bit of a scare. I, I just I got I got sick again, and I ended up in hospital a couple of times um, in January and again in um, April. And the second time I was in hospital, I um, it just really got me. And I was, I was lying in the hospital that night and I was crying. I just said, I don't know if I can do this much more. Because it, it was just, it, I felt like the, the, the battle had become, it had overtaken me. Because, you know, like I, I've known how to fight, I've known how to stand. When you've done all stand, and it's just like this came at me out of nowhere because I believed I was cancer free. So, you know, and to, and to go through this thing again, it was like, the second time. Well, the next morning, um, I, because it was um, it was around Easter time, so the, my consultant was away, and I had um, I had another consultant who I hadn't met before. He came in, and um, we were talking, and I said to him, has, has, "Have you ever seen this happen before?" He says, "No." And I said, "Well, what, what do you think it is?" Now, I'm saying, any of you that are in you know in the medical field, medical professional, you know that this is, you cannot say stuff like this. You can get fired for it. And I knew he wasn't a Christian. So I said to him, well, what do you think it is? He said, there are dark forces at play. I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> that came out of the mouth of the consultant. 
there are dark forces at play. It was like, and I suddenly had an epiphany. You know, you think, oh, I should have known it before, but it's, it's like, oh, this is spiritual. <laughs> and then I, we carried on our conversation, and I said, oh, well, you know, what, what shall I do? He says, all you can do is pray. I'm serious, that came out of his mouth. I promise you. I've got it here. That's what he said. All you can do is pray. It's like, okay then. But something clipped inside me. It's like, okay. I started to rally because I realized it's like, well, I know how to do that. See, I didn't know how to fight against a physical condition. I didn't know how to do that. But I certainly knew how to, to fight it, a spiritual thing. And when I realized when he said that, there are dark forces at play. It's like, this is spiritual. I know how to get that. Mm-hmm. So I started having a go at that thing, and it's over. And I know it's over. But I knew that I had to, that there was something about, you know, every time that we, we press into something new, every time like we, we are going in from glory to glory, it's always a battle. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. You just got to read all of the of um, of the scriptures, the Old Testament, all the time that the battles that they went into, or the victory, the the battle preceded the victory. And um, but the Lord, he he did um, he forewarned me actually, but I didn't quite understand, you know, because again, you know, when the when the enemy attacks you, it comes from 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 you know your blind side where you're not expecting it. You know, you're over here ready, and then he comes and you know donks you on the head. And, and it's like um, I, I was walking up the beach one day and um, I, it was sort of like half between light and dark and, and I saw this thing and I saw it with my own eyes. It wasn't a spiritual thing. I saw this thing running up the beach like a rat and I jumped out of the way and it disappeared. And I, and I knew then it's like oh, there's something going on here. There's a spiritual thing. And um, and I, I started to pray, and, a, and I, I had a vision. I saw a little boat in a big storm, and just one word, Lord gave me one word. He said, hold fast. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, can I just have a little bit more? Hold fast. And um, I don't know if any of you know, but uh, I've got a friend of mine. He's, he works with, um, I don't know, greenery in the sea guy. <laughs> And um, and he said that you know those big um, floppy plants. Anyone what are they called? Yeah, type seaweed type things, but the great big ones. Yeah. Well, um, the thing that they they get onto the rock and they they cement themselves. It actually is like cement. And um, so that you know big storms can come and that thing stays rooted to that rock. Well, the name of that thing is called Holdfast. And um, one time I was walking along the beach and one of them had washed up on the, on the shore and I went and touched it and it was, a, it was like concrete because it gets there and it holds itself to the rock. And that was the word of the Lord, hold fast, hold fast to the rock, hold fast. Some of you, you're going through, you know, we're going through life. We're going through whatever life um, is, is bringing to us at the moment. But this is the word of the Lord to you, hold fast. Um. St. Ignatius, so he was, um, anyone heard of him? So 1491 to 1556, that's how old he is. He's a very, very old man now. Very, very old man. St. Ignatius, um, uh, theologian, 
Catholic. Um, so anyway, he came up with this stuff. He talked about consolation and desolation. He said there were seasons that we would go through. It's life. And this is his definition of consolation. It's when the soul is aroused by an interior movement which causes it to be inflamed with love for its creator. Don't you love the way they used to talk then? (laughs) And consequently can love no created thing on the face of the earth for its own sake, but only in the creator of all things. That's consolation. That's what we were doing this morning. But there are seasons of desolation. And this is how he defines desolation. It is the darkness of the soul, the turmoil of the mind, the inclination to low and earthly things, restlessness resulting from many disturbances and temptations which lead to loss of faith, loss of hope, and loss of love. It is also desolation when a soul finds itself completely apathetic, tepid, sad, and separated, as it were, from its creator and Lord. That's desolation. We, we go through seasons of desolation as we go through seasons of consolation. And one of the things I want to say that um, as you, if you're in it now or um, for the times ahead, because that was one of the things he said, when you're in consolation, store up for desolation, which is actually wisdom, because that's abiding. That's another word to, for abiding. So he says that um, in, in consolation, uh, sorry, in desolation, never make a decision. There's such wisdom right there. When you're in that state and you know that you're in that state, don't make life-changing decisions. Wait. Wait until consolation comes upon you again and then make your decision. Isn't that pure wisdom? Pure wisdom right there. I know people, you, you probably know people as well, who have made decisions in their desolation and it's, it's been heartbreak. So these are things that God has given to us. So that place of, desert, that place of consolation, abide, so that when the desolation comes, you still know how to remain. Because when you've done all, we remain. So some of these other things he said was that... Um, When in desolation, stay the course. So don't make decisions about the future when you're in that state. If you're there now, you feel that that this is a season that's upon you, stay in this place. Let us pray for you today. We'll lay hands on you that you'll be strengthened because you will come out of it because that's another thing that he said. In desolation, think long term. Why? Because consolation will return. If you're writing stuff down, write that down. Write that down about these things because it will happen. Consolation will come upon you as desolation will come upon you. In desolation, remember God is really there. If you're there right now, if you're in that season, God is there. God is there. God is with you. God is beside you. God is closer than a brother. God is within you. God is without you. St. Patrick's Prayer, everywhere. It's like God is in you, outside of you, around you, above you, beneath you. God is all. He is your all in all. Remember that. If you're in that state right now, remember God is with you. God is really there. And in in desolation, the most important thing that you can have is patience. 
because it will come to an end. And I, I, I look at, um, you know, some of my, the big trials that I've gone through. I think it's probably the most, the biggest thing that the Lord's wanted to teach me has been patience. And, um, and I guess maybe it's to do with getting older, but, um, I'm not in a hurry so much anymore. <laughs> I am willing to wait and let him do his bidding. And sometimes I get a little bit, you know, frustrated. Can you hurry up a little bit? <laughs> patience. In desolation, the most important thing is patience. Patience is the most necessary virtue for persisting in desolation. So be strengthened. You know, the answer to anxiety, that's one of the biggest things to hit the society now. You know, the mental illness, depression, highest rates of depression, anxiety, panic attacks. The answer to that is the Spirit of God. You know, that one of the great things that, um, that again, being a Māori organisation, I can pray for people anytime I want. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, I'd never be able to do it, you know, like in a, you know, outside of that um, in primary health care. But, um, you know, I've I prayed for people, and, and I've seen this. That anxiety, people are like overwhelmed, and it's like, can I pray for you? And as soon as that happens, it's just like the Spirit comes. The Spirit of the living God arrives upon them and they're at peace. That's the answer. So that's what the world is looking for. They're looking for peace, but they want it their, their version of peace, which will never be peace, as Scripture says. So the, the answer to anxiety is the Spirit. What did he say to, the, to his disciples when he returns? He said, peace. What does he say in John fourteen twenty six to 27? Holy Spirit will teach us all things, so be at peace. And I want to I want to leave that with you today. It's about being at peace. Because there's a whole lot of movement that's going on in the church. The shape and the face of the church is changing. And it's disconcerting for many, many people. And if you don't if, if that's not you, great. Then you can help to lead others. But it is, it's, a, it's disconcerting what, where we're at, what we're facing, what we're going through. And one of the things that he promised is that he would give us peace. He would lead us into peace. Peace be with you, he said, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of the uncertainty. He, he promised us that we would, um, he would, we would learn how to remain. So... I um, I don't know where you're at or what you're feeling or what's going on with you, but I know that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Can I just get you to um, drive to... Um, I just had this song on my heart for um, several days, and um, and I just felt like I just wanted to sing it over you today. We're not too sure on this, the song, so we're going to just like ad lib and go with it. I just love that. that, that that's what made me cry today. It's just that beauty, of the, the presence of the Lord that comes with it, that sound. It's just, it's almost like otherworldly. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so um, just, I don't know, we're just going to pull this back and um, that's all right.
Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this time, these times, between times, as we are between times, going from one thing to another. What that means for us as followers of Christ, what that means for us as a community, what that means for us um, as a city, what it means for us as a nation. Lord, we look to you today. God, teach us how to abide. Teach us what it means to remain. Teach us what it means that when we have done all to stand and to stand.